On Point with Craig's Investment Partners. All right, good morning, everybody. The information that you're about to hear is general in nature. It's not financial advice, and it won't take into account your situation, objectives, or risk tolerance. So remember that all investments are subject to risk. None are guaranteed. And before you make any decisions, you need to contact an investment advisor. Uh, you can find one of ours at our website, which is craigsip.com. Okay, looking back to last week, uh, it was another mixed week across global share markets. The US continued to uh, continued to fall, basically, on a week-to-week basis. The volatility hasn't gone away. The S&P 500 was down 2.4%. The NASDAQ, which has got more of the growth stocks, more of the tech stocks, fell a little bit more heavily, down 2.8%. And both of those indices are... Compared to their respective highs, which came in January for the S&P, last November for the NASDAQ, they're down 16.1% and 26.5% respectively. So the NASDAQ is firmly in bear market territory. A bear market is generally thought of as a 20% fall from a peak. The S&P 500, not there yet. Uh, Will it get there? Maybe. It's not far away. It went pretty close last week. It all depends whether the rebound that we saw on Friday... Uh, is sustained and whether that sort of represents sort of a move upwards from here or whether it's just a bit of a head fake and we see a bit of weakness um, creep back in. Uh, I still think markets are in a, in a, in a bit of a, a volatile place with all the risks out there, so I certainly would not be um, counting my chickens just yet. I think it is still the time for being a little bit cautious, and even if you do see a bit of a, a rally from these oversold levels, you know there's every chance that you get uh, some weakness creep back in, so um, still staying a little bit cautious. Looking elsewhere, it was a mixed bag. Emerging markets were even worse than the US. Uh, emerging market shares down 4.2%. Uh, then again, um, you had the Aussie market, which was only down 1.6%, so it held up pretty well. And the UK and Europe actually went up last week. Uh, UK was up 0.4%, Europe up 0.8%. The NZX50 uh, had a down week. It was down 3.8%. So we're not down quite as far as as some others, but um, you know we're certainly down sort of the mid-teens uh, relative to our highs. Um, something else that caught my eye was moves in interest rates. And interest rates, this is market interest rates rather than central bank rates. So wholesale market interest rates and, and, and government bond yields and so forth have been moving steadily higher, but we saw them come off quite a bit last week. So whether that represents that they sort of went up too far and too much was priced in in terms of what central banks and so forth might do and now we're sort of we're going to see them sort of stabilize or maybe even fall a little bit who knows but they did come off so you had the um the US 10 year treasury yield fell from last week's three and a half year high of 3.13% down to 2.93 and here in New Zealand, uh, they moved actually more sharply here in New Zealand. The five-year swap rate, which is a wholesale rate that everyone watches, uh, it got as high, I think it finished the week before, at 4.06%, which is pretty close to the highest since late 2014. So, you know, you're going back more than seven years, aren't you? So it's the highest we've seen in a while. Fell back from that level to 3.74. And what that meant is bonds... Uh, bond prices tend to go down when interest rates are rising because you know existing bonds look 
worse value relative to what's on offer today with higher rates, better rates. Um, so bond prices move inversely to yields. So that fall in yields saw the NZX corporate bond index rise 1.2%, which is its best weekly gain since January 2009. So you've got to go back a fair way. Um, just like equities, fixed income, which many of us have in our portfolios if we're sort of a, a balanced type investor, a sort of a, a middle of the road investor, fixed income has been hit by rising interest rates, just like shares have. You know, rising interest rates really hit all asset classes. Um, but corporate bonds are still holding up much better. So if we look at 2022 on the whole, uh, the NZX corporate bond index is down 4.1%. The NZX50 is down 14.3%. So yes, your fixed income has come off a bit, but it's still protected you against those much sharper falls that we've seen through uh, growth assets and risk assets. So if you're a if you're a balanced investor that's sort of got some of the safer, more conservative assets, you've probably got a bit of cash, probably got some um, term deposits as well, then you certainly have um, have avoided uh, the worst of this the sell-off, which is why you sort of be diversified in the first place, don't you? Um, other things that caught my eye last week, <coughs> excuse me, um, housing market data, and this was weak as expected, so we got the REINZ report for April, and, and, and this is the report that I, I find the most useful and, and um, accurate of all the housing market reports. More evidence of a slowdown, so April volumes were down quite sharply across the board compared to last April, the number of days to sell increased uh, and, and prices continued to fall. So Auckland house prices now have declined for five consecutive months and the REINZ house price index for Auckland is 10.2% below its November peak. So that's a pretty big fall, isn't it? And I know you've got some of the bank economists out there saying you're going to see prices fall 10 to 15%. You know, they could fall 20%. And everyone looks at that and goes, you know, you know, markets will, you know, the market will soften, it'll slow down, but, you know, that, that's a bit outlandish. Well, when you think Auckland has fallen slightly more than 10% in the, what feels like the blink of an eye, it's actually not that outlandish at all, is it? Um, and especially when you look uh, at where prices are at relative to the end of 2019, basically pre-COVID. So Auckland's still up more than 30% since December 2019. The rest of the country is still up 43%. The rest of the country tends to lag Auckland. Auckland moves first and then the rest of the country follows. So at the moment you've seen Auckland come off, the rest of the country has, has probably got a bit of catch up to play. But from where I sit, uh, all of the signs of, of a further slowdown are there. You know, you're seeing lower sales volumes, you're seeing a rising number of days to sell, you're seeing an increase in unsold stock all of those are indicators that you'll see house prices come back a little bit more in the months um, ahead. So that, that's something we need to watch um, uh, from an economic perspective. The housing market is very important for the New Zealand economy. Um, domestic inflation expectations remained anchored. That is good news. We saw the latest RBNZ survey. Expectations of one year forward inflation rose to a 32-year high, so they didn't remain very anchored. But the longer-term ones, which are the ones that matter most, sort of looking out two years, five years, still not far away from that RBNZ target range, which is you know one to three percent. That's sort of the sweet spot for them. So that's good news because people still have an expectation that the RBNZ will get inflation under control. And that's really important that they maintain that credibility. The RBNZ is meeting next week. I think it's on the 25th of this month. 
Um, and we will see another hike in the OCR. It's 1.5 at the moment, so it'll go up a little further. At the moment, people think another 50 basis point hike is on the card, so up from 1.5 to 2, uh, but we'll have to wait and see. There was some US inflation data that also came out last week, uh, and their inflation comes out monthly, so you hear, it, hear about it much more regularly. Ours is quarterly. Um, for April, the headline CPI increased 8.3% um, on, on an annual basis. So good news and bad news there. The good news is that 8.3 is lower than 8.5, which is what it was you know, a month earlier, which was the highest since 1981. So uh, the rate or, or the pace of those uh, inflation increases is starting to taper off. Um, so that, that's good news. Uh, the bad news is that, well, 8.3% is still incredibly high, well above where anyone wants it to be, and it was actually a little bit higher than the market was expecting. So um, take that how you will. If, if you strip out food and energy and look at the core CPI, I don't know, to be honest, why people strip out food and energy when there's, those are two of the things that we all have to buy that we can't avoid, but um, the economists do for whatever reason. Um, it comes down to 6.2%, which is again down from 6.5 in March, but above forecast for 6. So you you st still got a lot of structural sort of elements to, to these inflation pressures. Housing costs, for example, um, shelter, as they term it over there, makes up about a third of the US CPI, and it increased half a percent for the month and was up more than 5% on an annual basis. So that's still the biggest we've seen in 30-odd years and um, even though inflation is starting to potentially trend downwards in terms of the annual rate of change, you know, it's still going up, but it's the rate of change is maybe softening. I still think you're going to see, you know, swag of rate hikes from the central bank. The, the next Fed meeting is in the middle of June, then there's another one in late July, two back-to-back two -back, uh, half percent hikes, 50 basis point hikes are, are still what looks to be most likely. Uh, looking ahead to this week, um, we will get a swag of Chinese indicators out this afternoon. This is Monday morning that I'm recording this, so I think 2 o'clock this afternoon we'll get uh, some of the April figures, um, fixed asset investment, retail sales, industrial production, those sorts of things. Not expecting them to look pretty at all. Uh, most of the, uh, the indicators we've seen out of China in recent months have been pretty ugly uh, in the wake of the widespread lockdowns you're seeing. So we had the PMIs that fell quite sharply. You know, they fell to the lowest levels we've seen since uh, February 2020 uh, when the pandemic first emerged. So the Chinese economy has ground to a halt and you've seen activity impacted strongly by these restrictions. You've had factory closures, you've got logistical challenges, you've got people staying at home, so consumer spending has fallen off a cliff because um, you know, you're not allowed to sort of get out and spend. So not expecting anything positive there. Um, will it move the market? Well, everyone's expecting it to be bad, so it could be sort of a little less bad. We'll have to wait and see. That's this afternoon. The US consumer will be really in focus uh, this week, and th this is important because you've got increasing talk about the risk of a potential US recession, or at least a slowdown, maybe a mild recession, maybe sort of some sort of economic downturn. And the US consumer really is a crucial part of the US economy. Consumption's a big part of the economy, sort of circa two-thirds. So uh, where the US consumer goes, the US economy will follow. And consumer sentiment, um, we had some new figures out on, on Friday overnight. Uh, so they came out Saturday our time just a couple of days ago. And for May, consumer sentiment in the US fell to the lowest levels since 2011. 
Um, so that was a much bigger fall than expected. And I, I guess that's no surprise, you know, with inflation where it is, with fuel prices where it is, interest rates going up, mortgage rates, people aren't feeling particularly good about getting out and spending money because everything's costing so much more. So um, whether that actually flows through to behaviour or not, we'll see, but that's certainly how people are feeling. And we'll get the um, the April retail sales report out of the US on, I think, Tuesday night. So it'll be Wednesday our time that we see it, but that'll be closely watched. Uh, also got a few of the major retailers uh, reporting this week. Home Depot, uh, Walmart, Target, um, some of the real big ones uh, announcing their earnings results. So you'll always find out more about how that sector is going in the Outlook commentaries. How confident are they about the state of the US consumer and whether it, uh, it will continue spending money to the same degree. Here in New Zealand, we've got uh, another dairy auction due early Wednesday morning and obviously a couple of weeks back saw a big fall in dairy price, about 8.5%. That was the biggest fall we'd seen um, since 2015, I think. Uh, and it did sort of lead to a mo modest downgrade from Fonterra in terms of their 21, 22 uh, milk payout. So they cut that from $9.60 to $9.30, just on the back of a, a slowdown and prices slowdown and, dem and demand. You know, the Chinese situation will be playing a part. I don't think that's anything to panic about. Even at $9.30, that's still expected to be uh, the highest payout that we've seen ever in history from Fonterra. So, you know... It's still very good news, and with with the season sort of drawing to a close over these next couple of months, uh, you would expect that that's pretty close to locked in, so nothing to be um, alarmed about there. The budget, uh, this will absolutely be a highlight on on Thursday, and you know the election is coming up next year, so these next couple of budgets get increasingly important. Um, well, what are we likely to see there? It'll be interesting. We have got a st strong set of books, I would think. Uh, and um, you've also got these new fiscal rules uh, that actually do leave a bit more capacity for the government to take on debt compared to before. However, I don't think we'll see a whole lot of major initiatives beyond what they've already sort of told us they're prioritising. Although it'll still be an expansionary budget. So that means they've got a bit of a difficult line to tread because people obviously want them to invest, particularly for the long term. We want quality spending. Um, but with inflation out there, uh, much higher than we would like, I think the market will be keeping a close eye on some of these spending initiatives to, um, uh, to just get comfort that they're not going to fuel inflation any more than they need to. And the government will be very conscious of that because the cost of living is very much in the spotlight. So there'll be a temptation to provide new support in terms of you know giving giving households more money to deal with the, the cost of living in some shape or form, but they also won't want to be accused of sort of throwing fuel on the fire. So um, that, that's that's those are sorts of the, the high level issues that we'll be keeping an eye on. Um, what else have we got? Uh, a few companies reporting actually. The, the, the global reporting season is behind us now but um, here in New Zealand and across the Tasman it's just starting to heat up and we will have quite a few important companies reporting over the next uh, one, two or three weeks. This week, uh, Circo, that'll be interesting, that's on Wednesday. Um, Infratil later in the week, My Food Bag, Oceana Healthcare, Ryman Healthcare, they're one of the real market heavyweights, they report on Friday. Um, a couple of property companies as well, and then things will 
will continue to be busy. We've got uh, Fisher and Paykel Healthcare and Main Freight, two of the other heavyweights that report during May, coming up later in the month. So plenty to watch in that regard. Across the Tasman, a couple of companies, James Hardy's building company, Aristocrat, um, and, and they'll have a, a few more coming um, over the balance of the month too. Uh, and last but not least, the Australian federal election, uh, which takes place on the 21st, which I think is Saturday, isn't it? And um, Anthony Albanese and the, the ALP, the, the Labour Party, who are currently in opposition, look like the favourites to win. They've been leading Scott Morrison's coalition in the recent polls. And, you know, if you look at the betting odds, which obviously react to, you know, what's happening out there those odds also um, point to a change in government. So those votes will be counted um, uh, in the wake of the election and we should have a clear picture of the results uh, long before financial markets open on Monday morning. So uh, that'll be interesting uh, to just see how markets react over the course of this week to sort of what looks likely and then next week um, we'll get a you know more specific reaction to maybe some of the winners and losers from, from the changing political landscape across the Tasman. All right, thanks for listening. If you're you're still there, uh, enjoy your market week. Um, uh, Keep that seatbelt in. Uh, I know we've seen a bit of a a rebound lately, but it still does feel like we have got a bit of a choppy period ahead. So stay safe, uh, both literally and metaphorically, and we'll talk again soon. For more insights, visit craigsip.com.